And we want to think tonight on the threefold work of the Holy Spirit of God. The threefold work of the Holy Spirit of God. John, the 14th chapter, starting in verse 16. He says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At the day ye shall know that I am in, the, in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, but the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. May God add his blessing on the reading of his word. Now, as we look at this, we want to look at the three works of the Holy Spirit. First of all, we look at it in the general sense in which that the Holy Spirit of God, that he works. And then we want to see how that he works in the lives of those who are the children of God. And then we want to see how that he works in the, the lives of those who are not his children. Now, another thing that we call you to your attention before we go into our study tonight and that is the word he. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Now, we look also in the 26th verse. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The word he. Now, there are places in the Scripture that uh, we, it's referring to the Holy Spirit of God, and it refers to him as it. Now, this is an incorrect translation. When it's referring to the Holy Spirit of God, he, not it, the Spirit of God. If you talk about one of your children, you don't talk about it. You talk about him or you talk about her. You refer to them as living beings. And God, the Holy Spirit, he is a person. He is real. He is the third person in the Trinity. He is just as much God as God the Father or God the Son. And so when we refer to him, let's refer to him as he. Now I want us to realize that in a general sense in which that we look at the Holy Spirit, 
that he is one of the agents or he is the agent of creation. We read in the book of Genesis in the first chapter and in the second verse we read this. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Here is the Holy Spirit of God. We see him in the creation, in the forming of this world in which that we live in. He had a part in the creation, or he had a part in the forming of this world. He was the agent in the creation of this world in which that we live. Then, if you will, we'd like for you, we're going to be referring to several passages of Scripture tonight to show you the work of the Holy Spirit of God. We pointed out a few weeks ago that uh, it is a sin to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that this is a sin that will not be forgiven. But we want to give you instructions of what he is doing even today, what he has done and what he will do even in the days to come. Now in Second Peter, the first chapter and verse 21, we call your attention to the fact that he was the one who inspired the writing of the word of God. Notice in the second book of Peter, in the first chapter, he says, For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man. Now this fits in with our Sunday school lesson this morning, that men did not just make up their mind and say, I think I'll write a book, I think I will write a letter. But they were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to write these pages that we have today, which is known as the Holy Bible. They were moved by the Spirit of God because the Scripture teaches this in First Peter or Second Peter, the first chapter, verse twenty-one. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God, not divine men, but holy men of God, uh, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They moved. They were moved. They wrote what is. Uh, we know today as the Word of God. They were inspired. It was God putting it in their heart. And as I told my Sunday school class this morning, that God didn't just hold a gun over their head and said, now you write and you put these things down in this manner. But I believe that he put it in their heart. And they were willing to put forth or to write these words that we have in the Word of God. God laid it upon their hearts. And they wanted to do this. They gladly did it because God, by his Holy Spirit, laid it upon their hearts that they might do this. Also, we might say that in the word of God, he tells us here that they were not moved uh, by themselves. It was not the will of man, but it was by the moving of the Holy Spirit of God, nor is the interpretation of the scriptures of any private one. Now, in the 20th verse of this same chapter, he says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Now what he's saying here is that God did not give the interpretation or the understanding just to one man and not to anybody else. Because there were many that God has moved in their heart to be able to interpret this very word of God. It's not something that just one individual but God has made it known through many people the teaching, the understanding of the Word of God. Now also we realize that the work of the Holy Spirit, that He is the agent of all of God's work, 
all of the things that God has done and what he does do. In the book of Job, in the 33rd chapter and verse 4, he says, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. The Spirit of God hath made me. The Spirit of God has worked in me. He has brought me about. And then he says, An Almighty God, or Almighty, uh, hath the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. And so in this, in our creation, or in our being, God hath made us. Also in the book of Psalms 104, and in verse 29 and 30, he says, Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die, and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. We see a cycle in which that a man is born, he'll die, and there will be new ones that will come, and the earth is replenished. And this also is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Then also in the book of Isaiah, in the 40th chapter and verse 7, he compares them here as the grass. He says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. And we find that he teaches us and shows us that our life is as a vapor. He says that it's like the grass. It grows up, it withers, it dies. It's the working of the Holy Spirit of God that brings these things to pass. Then also we realize that it's the working of God, the Holy Spirit, in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the conception of Jesus Christ when Mary conceived. In Luke's Gospel, the first chapter, verse 35, it says, The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came upon Mary, and she was with child, and this child is the very Son of God. So look at the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Then one other verse of Scripture in connection with this is in the book of Acts, the 10th chapter, and in verse 38. He says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He was with him in the form of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we see that there is a work in a general sense in which that the Holy Spirit of God, he has done and he is doing the work of God. He's God's agent to carry out the things that God would have us to do, have him to do. Then the next thing that we call your attention, and that is how that the Holy Spirit of God works in your heart and mine as the children of God. Now, one of the things that he does, and uh, we can know this, and this is something that makes us to have the assurance that we are the children of God, and that is that he gives us assurance of our salvation. I believe it was this morning or uh, sometime we sang, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a, a foretaste of glory divine. This is the assurance that we are the children of God. And he gives us this assurance. He makes us to know without any doubt that we're the children of God. God's word teaches us this. 
in the Romans, the 8th chapter and the 16th verse. He says, The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so there ought not to be any hope so. There ought not to be any uh, maybes as they sang in this song. But we ought to know because the Spirit of God makes us to know that we are the children of God. The Apostle Paul, in writing to Timothy, he says, I know whom I have believed. How did he know this? I believe he knew it because the leadership of God the Holy Spirit made him to know it, and he was able to rejoice in this. And you and I, as the children of God, we ought to rejoice in this assurance of our salvation. In the book of Ephesians, in the first chapter, in verse 13 and 14, he says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. This we might think of here, the earnestness, or this is the down payment. This is knowing that we have eternal life and that one day we're going to come back or he's going to come back and he's going to claim us and this is the assurance that we have and so the holy spirit of god he gives you and i as christians the assurance of our salvation if you do not have the assurance and you say i'm a christian let me encourage you to ask god by his holy spirit to give you that assurance let this thing be settled. If you've made a profession of faith and you say, I'm saved, but I, there's some doubt in my mind, I tell you, ask God and he will give you this understanding. His spirit will help you so that you can erase all doubts from your mind that if you've been saved, that you can say, I know that I'm a child of God. Then another thing that he does, and that is, or some things that he does, he comforts, he teaches and he illuminates us. He makes us to be able to see. He comforts us. As we read in our text tonight, we read where that, uh, in, that he was going to be the comforter, that he'll come. And in the 16th chapter of John and in the 7th verse, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient or it is necessary. It is important for you that I go away. Now, there's times in which that we give up our loved ones, those that we walk day by day with, and we look at it and we say, I don't understand why. We don't understand it, but one day we will understand. But we know that it is necessary that these things come to pass. And so here the disciples, they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. They didn't understand it fully. But nevertheless, he says, it is necessary, it's something that has to be done, that I go away. Now he says, here's why. For if I go not away, the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, we read in the 26th verse of the 14th chapter, he says, if, if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And so here we see him as the Comforter. He's the one that makes us to be able to go through trials, troubles, and things that we don't know how we can possibly bear them. He is there to help us. 
He's there to do the work that I, as your pastor, cannot do. When I stand beside you as the, by the caskets of those that we love, and your heart is broken, and you feel like you can't move any farther, it's the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one that's able to bear you over these things. I can't find words, and our friends around about us, we can't find words that will comfort you, but the Holy Spirit, he is the comforter, and he can be with you in times like this. Then also in the book of 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verses 9 through 12, we read this. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Can't quite understand all of these things. But God hath revealed them unto us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. If I understand what he's talking about here, we can't understand there's a natural man. We can't understand the deep things, the spiritual things of God by ourselves. We have to have the Holy Spirit of God to work in our minds to illuminate these things, to bring them to light so that we can understand them. Now, this is what Brother Wheeler was talking about tonight. There was a time in which that, uh, he says, I didn't have any working knowledge of the Word of God. But over a period of time, I've studied and I've begun to learn some things. Now, the only way that he's been able to learn them, the only way you've been able to learn is by the leadership or by the working of the Holy Spirit of God. You'd be by yourself many times, or this is the way I am, and I'll be reading from the Word of God, and there'll just seem like there's something that hits me just like that. And he says, here is what God was talking about over here somewhere else in the Word of God. This is the Spirit of God that's working in my heart, giving me a, an understanding of these things. And a lot of times I'll go and say something to somebody about it, and they say, well, I knew that all the time. They'd learned it. The Holy Spirit had worked in their heart. They'd been able to see this, and the Lord had just revealed it unto me. But oh, what a joy when I see a new truth, when I find something that I didn't know before. He has illuminated, he has brought to light these passages of scriptures. And so we can rejoice in these things. Again, we look in the book of Ephesians, the first chapter and the 17th verse. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And so as you learn anything, as you know anything about God, and you have any wisdom concerning the word of God, you have any revelation, here's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that has made you to know. He's the one that has enabled you to understand these passages of Scripture. Then also in the book of 1 John, in the second chapter and verse 20, he says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. This is a special power that he gives us, special unction or ability that we have that we can know these things that are written in the Word of God. He says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is in the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? 
He is Antichrist, and that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. And so in this we see, but look on in this uh, 27th verse. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lion, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And so it is the Holy Spirit of God. He is the one that has taught us and made us to know these things and enabled us to love the Father and to love the Son. And so he comforts us, he teaches us, and he also illuminates the Scriptures and makes us to understand these things. Now here's something else that he does. He leads us into obedience and to service. He leads you and I as the children of God so we will be obedient unto his word and then we will serve him or we will do what he instructs us to do. In the book of Romans again in the 14th chapter or 8th chapter in the 14th verse he says as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God. And so if we are the children of God we're going to be led by the Spirit of God. We're going to be in subjection or we're going to submit ourselves unto God. We are obedient unto Him. We are the children of God. And this, he says, that uh, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Now, as we look at this, he says, they are the sons of God. They are willing to be led. They're willing to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. Also in the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter and the 16th verse, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall fulfill or shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. As we walk under the leadership, direction of the Holy Spirit of God, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. As we meet here tonight in God's house, I pray that every one of us have come because the Holy Spirit of God has led us here. Had we stayed home, we may have been sitting before a television looking at some picture that would not be pleasing unto God, that not fit to be seen. It's coming into our homes and we would have walked after the lust of the flesh. The desires, the things that are put before us, the lust, the desire of these things. But we've been led by the Spirit of God and we've come here and we're learning concerning the things of the Spirit of God. Then also we need to walk, or as we are led, we're obedient by the Spirit of God. We read again in the book of Acts in the 8th chapter, verse 27, and then also in verse 29, he says, And he arose and went. Now the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, and told him to go down and, and uh, to the road called Gaza, which is desert. And he says, And he rose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, 
of the uh, great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasures and come to Jerusalem to for, for to worship. And then in the 29th verse, he says, And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Now here again we see the Spirit of God. Here we see him being obedient unto the Spirit of God. He was used of the Lord, and I know that he was because this man accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. He was obedient. He was in the service of the Lord. I believe that many of our membership tonight were not obedient unto the Spirit of God, or else they would have been in the house of the Lord. Then there's another thing that we learn, and that is that as we are obedient unto God, as we are, uh, we let the Lord have, or let the Spirit of God lead us, and that is that he calls to special service. He calls us to certain works that he would have us to do. In the book of Acts, again, in the 13th chapter, and in verses 2 through 4, he says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now here God has called them to a special work. God calls men to preach the gospel. God calls men to be missionaries. God calls and God works and he tells the people what to do. And the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed unto Cyprus. And so here we see a call into special service. Those that were saved, he called to preach or to go and to carry the word of God unto them. Then also we realize that the Spirit of God, that he is used in the distribution of spiritual gifts or in the giving of spiritual gifts. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in the 12th chapter, and verses 2 through 4, uh, we or 4 rather through 11, he says, Now there are diversities of gifts. In other words, there are various, there's different kinds of gifts. But there's the same Spirit. There's only one Spirit in the uh, children of God. He says there are differences of administration, but there's the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it's the same God which walk, worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And to one is given the Spirit, the word of wisdom. Notice now he's saying here that all have a spiritual gift. There is given to every man. You have a spiritual gift. It's God, the Holy Spirit, has given you this gift. Our, our gifts are differing. And this is what he is talking about, one. To one he gives the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God giving these gifts. To another, the faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man servilely as he will. This dividing or this giving of the spiritual gifts, they are by the Holy Spirit of God. 
And so he has a distribution of the spiritual gifts that he's talking about here. We don't all have the same gift, but we need to use that gift that God has given us. And then also he empowers us in service, you and I, as the children of God. He gives us power in the service of God. We read in the book of Acts, again, in the first chapter, we quoted this this morning, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. And so we do have uh, the gift of the, uh, the empowering in our service as we render our lives unto the Lord. Now also in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter in the fourth verse, he says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. As Paul went out, he said, I didn't have uh, an eloquent tongue. I couldn't speak like some preachers. But he says, I was able to demonstrate the power of the Spirit of God. I was able to work in the Holy Spirit of God. And this is what we need. Many times a person can get up, try to preach, and he stutters and he stammers and tries to find words with which to express himself. And you say, boy, he really uh, murdered the king's English. He didn't do so good in his delivery. But yet the Lord blessed him. He had power. The Spirit of God was upon him because he got the message across. Souls were saved. So you see, it's not with eloquent speaking or uh, with great speaking or with great preaching, but we can demonstrate the power and the Holy Spirit of God. He empowers our preaching. It's when I feel like that I have utterly failed, then's when we see God working. So many times I've felt like, well, there's no need to sing a hymn of invitation tonight. I've just seemed like everybody was asleep while I was preaching. Seemed like nobody was getting anything out of the message, but nevertheless, it's our custom. We'll sing a couple of verses of some invitation hymn, and as we do, there may be two or three, four or five that'll come. It's the Spirit of God. He's the one that has been at work while it seemed like that the words I was using was falling on the stony ground and on the hardened path and the like of this. We don't know where God's going to work or how he's going to do it. He also, the Holy Spirit of God, makes us to be fruitful. Then also the Scripture teaches us in the book of Romans, again in the 8th chapter, where that he uh, tells us there in verse 26 and 27, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We know not what we ought to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There's times when my heart is heavy, times in which that... I don't know what to say. I can't find words to tell the Lord what's on my heart. I believe that's what he's talking about, groanings which cannot be uttered. Lord, you know what's in my heart. Lord, you know what I want. You know what I feel. I can't say it. I can't get it out of my lips the way I want it. But I believe what he's saying here, the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit? Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He is able to make our requests known unto God, and they are accepted because he can make them 
according to the will of God. He moves us in our worship. He's the one that enables us to be able to sing, to sing these songs of praise. He's the one that enables us to be able to read the word of God. And even just in the reading of the word, it seemed like it blesses our heart and fills the place in which that we meet in. And then also he is one that will quicken the believer's body. We read in Romans 8, 11, where that he tells us this. He says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. As Christ was raised up, if he dwells in us, he's going to raise us up also. And then hurriedly, let us look at the work that the Holy Spirit does in the lost. There's an indirect work that he works. We read in the book of Genesis in the sixth chapter and the third verse where he says, my spirit will not always strive. The Lord said, my spirit will not always strive with man for that he also is flesh and his days shall yet be 120 years. Then also the work of the Holy Spirit is to convince men, lost men, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Look in the 16th chapter of the book of John, in the 7th, or the 8th through the 11th verse, he says, when he is come, when the Comforter, when the Holy Spirit that he spoke of in the 7th verse, he will reprove, or he will convince the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And so we see here those that, uh, that are here and those that are lost, he's going to convict them, he's going to convince them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The Holy Spirit of God worked in the heart and in the life of Stephen and showed them this power, how that God had worked in the, uh, the Holy Spirit had worked and they had resisted the Holy Spirit of God when Stephen preached. And he pointed this out in the 51st verse of the 7th chapter. He says, Ye stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ear, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Here they knew the, the Holy Spirit of God had worked and they resisted him. They turned their back on him and they said, we don't want to hear this thing. And Stephen had been preaching how that God had worked through the Old Testament saints. And then also we see the people on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached unto them in Acts 2, uh, 2 and verse 37. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What can we do about this thing? They were pricked by the Holy Spirit of God in their heart. There is a direct work that the Spirit does in the lives of lost people that he works with them. We find that in the day in which that the apostle Paul had a decree to go out and to persecute the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Spirit of God worked in his heart and pricked his heart and worked in it in such a way that he, the Lord uh, caused a light to shine from heaven and blinded him and he fell down and he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. I believe that day there on the road to Damascus that the apostle Paul 
repented of his sins and he turned trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was brought about by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. I believe that it was also the work of the Holy Spirit of God in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts where that Paul and Silas who sang and prayed unto God at midnight and the doors were open. The Holy Spirit of God working in his heart whenever that he said, what must I do to be saved? It was God working there and they showed him the plan of salvation and said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Anyone who can believe, anyone who will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that they might be saved as they believe on him. We see the thief on the cross. I believe that the Holy Spirit of God worked in his heart and he says, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus says, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He was saved that very day. Bring salvation personally, individually to each one there. Also in the 16th chapter of Acts, we see that the Lord worked in the heart of Lydia in which that she repented. She trusted the Lord as her personal Savior. The working of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction that would cause them to repent of their sins. And I ask you tonight to examine your heart and your life and ask yourself, is the Spirit of God working in my heart even here tonight? Is there something in your heart that's saying, I ought to walk that aisle and make a public profession of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I ought to leave my sins behind me, turn my back upon them, turn them to the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of them and accepting Jesus Christ as a sin bearer. Let me say one other thing, and that is that as he speaks to you and he says for you to come, he's dealing with your heart and you feel a need to come forward, that it's not the work of the devil. It's God, the Holy Spirit, moving in your heart because the devil's never going to say to you to repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ as personal Savior. He's going to say, put it off. He's going to say some other time. He's going to say, it's not so. Don't you believe it? God's Holy Spirit's saying it is true. You believe it. You accept it. You receive the forgiveness of sin. As God speaks to your heart tonight and you see your need of trusting him, we ask you to do that right here, this very moment, and say to the devil, get behind me, Satan. I believe that Christ died for me. I believe that he paid my sin debt. And I'm not ashamed to confess that I believe this and upon the authority of God's word that if I believe this in my heart and will confess it with my mouth, I have eternal life. Will you do that tonight?